going to invite you all to pray with me. Ah, gracious and holy God, we give you thanks for this day of rest. When we can come uh, before you, laying our labors down uh, to be present to you and your word. God, it is a gift to have time set aside for rest, time set aside to listen and reflect, time set aside to tune our hearts toward yours. And so God, help us relish the gift this day. Send your spirit in our midst. Allow us to hear the word uh, you long for us to hear so that we might live the life you long for us to live. It's in your name we ask these things. Amen. Our first scripture comes from Psalm 128, verses 1 to 2, and then we will hear from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 1 to 2 as well. Let's listen to God's word for us this day, first from the Psalms. Happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be happy, and it shall go well with you. And now from Luke. After these things, the Lord commissioned 72 others and sent them on ahead in pairs to every city and place he was about to go. He said to them, the harvest is bigger than you can imagine, but there are few workers. Therefore, plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out workers for his harvest. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. So the Labor Day holiday dates back to the late 1800s, when U.S. labor had begun to organize itself to demand better working conditions in the midst of the changed realities that were the result of the Industrial Revolution that had occurred in the early part of the 1800s. The formation of Labor Day is attributed to two union organizers who are asking for a day to celebrate and give thanks for the American worker and their contribution to our economy and society. It was to be a paid day off from their labor, celebrated with municipal parades and picnics where workers and their families could enjoy a day of rest and fun granted them in honor of their labor. It is fitting that this holiday we celebrate this weekend originated as part of a movement toward a right relationship when it comes to our labor. For both of our scriptures today point to the importance of right relationships when it comes to our work. In the psalm, we hear the word happy. Happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be happy, and it shall go well with you. 
we hear the word happy, yet the Hebrew word is more nuanced than that. It shares the same root as the name Asher, which comes from a verb that can mean go straight on, advance, lead on, set right, or in certain conjugations can mean pronounce happy, blessed, and in others be made happy, be blessed. There is this connection with things being right, going straight, walking in the way of God as the psalmist names it, with happiness. But here in this Hebrew word, there is an additional element to that happiness. When it is blessedness or blessing, God is suddenly involved. There is a divine element, component to the condition. When we feel happy, that happiness is a result of the conditions in which we find ourselves. Blessedness runs deeper than that. For it comes not just from our circumstances, but from God. In Psalm 128, there is a picture of balance and right relationship before us. When we fear the Lord, which means we recognize that God is God and we are not. When we live in our place and therefore walk in God's ways. When we live in right relationship, both individually and collectively, then blessing comes. The labor of our hands results in fruit that we get to eat, to enjoy, that provides what we need, that sustains us. Conversely, when things are out of balance, when we do not live in right relationship, when we do not fear the Lord, when we think we are all the gods of our own universes, things get out of balance. And true happiness, blessing, does not come. Some eat the fruits born of the hands, the labors of others, while others labor, but the fruits of that labor lands in hands which did not bear it. And the labor is left with not enough to meet their own needs to sustain them. Wide swaths of human history are mired in this out-of-balance reality, where the few, the powerful, enjoy the fruits of the labors of others, while the laborers are left with little. Just in the history of the Israelite people in Scripture, we witness this time and again, whether it be during their enslavement under Egypt, in the midst of the Babylonian exile, or in Rome's occupation. As humans, no matter what economic or political system we are living in or under, we struggle to live in right relationship. Corruption of one form or another always seems to find a way in. And the consequences of that struggle are borne by us all. Our text from Luke offers a perspective that has the power to shift everything. Here Jesus commissions 72 people to move out and do work in his name, to labor not for their own harvest, but for God's. And as they go, he asks them to pray to the Lord of the harvest. 
here again is a picture of right relationship. A recognition that the harvest we are laboring for does not originate with us, nor does it belong to us. Like Jesus' parable about the farmer from the Gospel of Mark. This is what God's kingdom is like, Jesus teaches. It's as though someone scatters seed on the ground, then sleeps and wakes night and day. The seed sprouts and grows, but the farmer doesn't know how. The earth produces crops all by itself, first the stalk, then the head, then the full head of grain. Whenever the crop is ready, the farmer goes out to cut the grain because it's harvest time. We are not the creators of the seeds. We cannot produce the sunlight or the water that will make them grow. We can care for the soil so that it is nutrient-rich and ready to feed the seed, but we are not the makers of earth. Our labor matters. It has an important part to play, but it is only a part. We sow seeds. We can even be part of nurturing them, trying to give them the best conditions possible for them to grow. But so much of what happens between sowing and harvest is not in our control. We have a part to play. Our Lord is in need of laborers of the harvest. But if we do not recognize that we are merely laborers, that the harvest does not belong to us, but in, instead is a blessing, things can fall out of balance quickly. Has any, anybody else seen the show Undercover Bosses? Yeah, a few of you, yeah. It's one I catch from time to time, just kind of randomly. Uh, the premise is that the owner of a company goes undercover at their company and engages in the labor, the work, alongside those who work for them. They get to hear their stories. They get to learn from their experience. They have their eyes opened to their financial challenges. They get to see what their workers' labor means to each of them, but also to the company as a whole. So often, by the end of the show, there is a move toward right relationship between the owner and the workers they interact with. This occurs most often on the personal level, but often those personal interactions and learnings lead to company-wide changes as well, which will impact everyone for the better, making the company and its people stronger. I've kind of had fun imagining Jesus as an undercover boss himself this week. <laughs> sent to work alongside his laborers. Unlike the human undercover bosses, God didn't need to have his eyes open to his employees' realities. But it does mean something significant to all of us that God was willing to get in the trenches with us. God came to us in Jesus so that God could show us the way so that God could restore us to right relationship, so that God could invite us to be laborers for the harvest, 
so that we would know God is right there with us, by our side, providing us everything we need to do the work God has called us to do. There is such happiness, such blessedness, when we get to be part of the harvest, when our labor, our work, our efforts matter, when we get to sit at a table set with enough, knowing that we played a part in bringing forth the fruits there, but also giving thanks to the God whose role in the harvest is so much bigger than any part we have to play. There is dignity granted when our work helps provide what is needed, when we watch God use it to bless us and others, and we get to rest and enjoy its fruits. Too few people in our world today are getting to enjoy that reality, that dignity, that blessing. There are many factors outside of many of our control that shape that reality, but we all have choices we get to make within it. We can be people who recognize that God is the Lord of the harvest. People who are grateful for a part to play, but who are also grateful to God for all that comes without the work of our hands. We can seek to live in right relationship with God, with one another, with our earth. We can resist the cultural push to buy more and more, learning to live within our means and enjoying the freedom that comes when we do just that. We can honor the work of others, seeking to support living wages for others however we can. We can be laborers for the harvest our God is calling us to be. People who labor, work, live not for ourselves, but for the kingdom of God. One of the great privileges of my work as pastor is that I get to have a front row seat on all of your work as people out in the world. And when I think, I, and I, sometimes I do this for fun, I imagine all of you doing the things you have done throughout your life, doing the work that fills each of your day. Um, it is a blessing to me to think about all the different lives this community is touching through the work that you do in your homes, in your workplaces, in our communities, in our schools. It's a blessing to bear witness to the, the ways that your work is part of the kingdom's work. We are called to be laborers of the harvest, to use the labors of our lives, the work that we have to offer, the time and the energy we've been given to help shape God's kingdom in the here and now. And I'm grateful we get to be those laborers together in this place. Amen. Amen.